In our continuing series of interviews with state legislators, tonight we have with us Representative Rusty Grill. What district are you from, Rusty? Thank you for having me, Mr. Richard. Uh, I am from the District 77, which is in northwest Tennessee. It encompasses all of Dyer County, all of Lake County, and about two-thirds of O'Brien County. How long have you been in the Tennessee General Assembly? I was elected in a special election in 2019. I finished serving out the seat that uh, Representative Bill Sanderson had won in 2018, and he resigned in 2019, finished his one-year term, and then I won re-election in 2020. You were talking just a second ago about the specifics of your district. What, if anything, has the recently released redistricting plan done to your district? Obviously, we know that Middle Tennessee had huge growth. It's my understanding that the Nashville area had as many as 108 people per day moving there. When you have that type of growth in Middle Tennessee, we don't have the growth in Western Tennessee or the rural parts of Tennessee. There's definitely a transition that has to be made every 10 years to make sure the population is adjusted. So the representatives have equal amount of population that they're representing. And because of that, I'm going to have to take on more area because they're pulling from both East and West Tennessee towards the middle part. So basically you're having to take on more area because the population density in Middle Tennessee is far greater. Correct, sir. And that's becoming a problem because negative growth, even though we're growing, we're still not growing as fast as Middle Tennessee. So we've got to change that over the next 10 years if we want to see our representation get stronger. But if not, we're going to continue to be diluted. and We're going to have more urban representation in Tennessee rather than rural. What committee assignments do you currently have? Currently, I am the vice chair of the Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee. I serve with the Chairman Hoffer from over in Dyer. He lives in Gibson County and serves over in the Dyer, Tennessee area. Uh, he's actually announced that he is not going to be running for re-election in this upcoming election here in the fall of 2022. But I serve as vice chair with him. I serve on the naming and designating committee, and I also serve on the transportation full and transportation subcommittee. Well, that's pretty heady stuff right there. Having just been in the legislature for a year and a half, they must thank quite a bit of you to put you on that many committees. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to the opportunity to serve. I'm, I actually am a full-time farmer, a ninth-generation full-time farmer here in West Tennessee. If there's anything that I would consider myself to have a, a jump on, that would be the agriculture community because that's what my family has done for generations. My goal is to make sure that the generations after me can still uh, operate a family farm. Well, that's commendable. And coming from a rural upbringing myself, I congratulate you on that desire. We certainly need that representation within the state because, like you said, right now it seems that Nashville and the other areas that are urban seem to be growing a lot more than our little paltry spot over here in West Tennessee. 75 to 100 years ago, one in three individuals were actually involved uh, in the farming community, were farmers or really close related to a farmer. And now where I think it's one for every 155 people. So one farmer essentially used to feed one out of three. Now it's one out of 155. Mm. Those statistics are, are staggering. What legislation have you carried in the short time that you've been in the legislature that impacts the right to keep and bear arms in Tennessee? I am an advocate. I'm 100 percent in favor of the original intent of the Constitution, which means that the individual has the right to keep and bear arms and that the government should not sell those rights back to you through the form of a tax or a fee or a permit. But I have worked closely with several representatives, to name a few, uh, Clay Doggett from over in Pulaski area. He and I are fairly close, and he is the subcommittee chair on the judiciary. He and I work together. He's, he's done a lot more footwork as far as I have. I've been behind the scenes trying my best to help as much as possible. Representative uh, William Lambert, the guy that uh, he's 
always been on the right side of most issues. Every time I've talked to him, he seems to say the right things. I don't know what his positions are on everything else, but he being the majority leader has a pretty stout stick that he can swing. He seems to have the, the right understanding on most issues when it comes to the Second Amendment. Speaking of the term you used a few seconds ago, constitutionally, what does Article 1, Section 26 of the Tennessee Constitution mean to you? It means that we have the right to keep and bear arms. And the only way that the Tennessee legislature should be dealing in the gun-carrying business is to prevent crime. And in order for them to start to regulate any type of guns or the carrying of guns, they have to prove that they can prevent crime. At least that's the way I see it. What do you, how do you see it, Mr. Richard? Well, that's exactly how I read it, because that's what the Constitution says. So, well, you know, over and over again, we, we have these conversations about does, what does it say? What does it mean? It's kind of like Common Core math. I feel like we get hung up in Common Core math. It's like, well, we add this up and two plus two doesn't equal four, but we can we make it say six. The answer doesn't make sense. And over and over again, we have politicians that want to cloudy and muddy the water and cause us to doubt what we already know. We see that in the in Christian circles. We have the Bible is written. It's written on a level where the common man can understand it. And then we have professors and these theologians come in and say, well, you know what? I have a better understanding of the word of God. So here, let me explain to you what God was trying to tell the common man when he said you must be born again. And God speaks to individuals. Those individuals have responsibilities. That same God, I believe, blessed America, freedoms. And with those freedoms, we have opportunities. And with those opportunities, we have responsibilities. And with those responsibilities, those individuals collectively come together 250 years ago, come up with one of the most sacred documents this world's ever known, the U.S. Constitution. And then from that, we've got more freedoms. Isn't that crazy? God give man freedom, and then man says, you know what? We want to protect freedom. So we want to make sure that the individual has freedom and liberty and the ability to thrive and be comfortable and be successful. And yet we have politicians that say, hold up. You want to be free? We can make money off of that. We can take your freedoms and sell them back to you with a tax or a fee or a license. We can be a perpetual king every four years, every two years. We'll be able to raise money and talk about how we want to defend the Constitution. It needs defending, it needs believing and reading and understanding and standing on. I know you didn't, this is not supposed to be a sermon that I'm supposed to be preaching from a pulpit, but yet these, these com, that we have these common denominators. We have liberals, churches, to water down the Word of God, and, yet, and then we have liberals in our politics try to water down our Constitution. But really, all we need to do is adhere to those first and original intents. Sorry, Richard, I didn't mean to get off on that. but, but that's, yeah, that's okay. Right. Well, the, the whole intent and purpose of this series is to let our constituents hear what our state representatives feel and what they have to say. And so it, your talk, you can say anything you want to. What would you like to see in the upcoming legislative session with respect to Second Amendment issues in Tennessee? There's a few things that I think we would obviously love to see away with the fees on the, the handgun permits and all of those things. There's been talk about some of those. Changing the ages from 21 down to 18, I think that's a reasonable request. Not only handgun permits, but we have handgun permits. Well, let's just go ahead and move the ball down the field a little bit further and, and let's go firearms. Let's just change that one little word from handgun over to firearms. I think that's reasonable. And you might just uh, see something in the next week or so that has my name on it. Just tries to do that. That would be great. I have talking with legislators on this very specific issue of handguns versus firearms posed the question, did we win our freedom from England with just handguns? And they look at you <laughs> like you've lost your mind. No. Across the board, 
the United States has always kept its freedom with its rifles. We're known for that around the world. So it would be great if we could get that worked into it. The TFA last year tried to move the ball back towards all firearms instead of just handguns with the constitutional carry bill. We didn't get very far with it, but we certainly tried. I commend you on that attempt and can promise that we will be of all the assistance that we can if you so choose and desire to move forward with that. What advice can you give the average TFA member who wants to further the restoration of our rights to arms as granted to us in 1796 in Tennessee? Well, and I'm not just going to say this to the TFA member. I'm going to say this to the Tennessean. We have a responsibility to address our grievances to our legislators. And we need to make sure that our legislators know where we are on positions. That doesn't mean you have to go and threaten to, you know, I'm going to write letters against you and I'm going to put op-eds in the papers and those things. Maybe if that's the way you want to approach it, that's fine. But you can sit down and have a good conversation with someone. And I have been very pleased with people. And if you come to my office, I'm as pro-life as anybody. But if you're a Planned Parenthood supporter, you're welcome to my office. and We'll sit down and we'll have a conversation. Because I believe that my thoughts and my views are right. So I'm not fearful to have that conversation with somebody who disagrees with me. And if you have, if you believe what you believe, you can go into anyone's office and sit down with them with the right attitude, a good individual, God-fearing, constitutional-loving individual. They'll be able to have an honest conversation with you. And when you ask them a question, they can't give you an answer. They ought to be able to sit back and say, hold up. There's something wrong with the way I'm thinking because it does not pass the test of fire. Because that individual, through his argument at my at my view and at my point, and they crumbled. And I believe that's the way we go about it, Richard. You take individual arguments and you tear them apart based upon facts, not on feelings, based upon reality, not on what you think is reality. And someone who can articulate that, and that's where I struggle probably personally, being able to articulate exactly what I know or what I believe. But there are people who have the ability, you being one of them, and have the knowledge that you can go in into an individual and explain to them exactly why their point of view is wrong. But you can't come across to them as condescending and as that you're smarter than they are, that they're stupid. And I know I've done this in the past. I've, I have burned a bridge or two. And I don't want to do that because I want people to look at me and say, Rusty wants to help me. Rusty's out, Rusty's out because he believes in what he says he believes. And if I'll give this guy a chance, you know what? He might be right. He's not some crazy right-wing nut. He's just a guy that has conviction and is not willing to wave on him. And I believe we need more people who are willing to stand on convictions in the face of adversity with the right attitude rather than just fight when there's an opportunity. I could not agree more. I'll go a step further. When you were talking about it's our obligation, it is constitutionally our obligation under <laughs> Article 1, Section 23, that the average citizen out here is supposed to instruct their elected representatives. But they should do it in such a manner as to be friendly, but like you said, stand your ground. If you have a wealth and store of knowledge, you need to make sure that you come prepared, bring your facts, lay them out, make your statement, and then move on down the road. Right. That's that's how you, you, I try to approach it anyway. Do you know Toby from Middle Tennessee? I don't think so. I'm not going to say his last name on here, but there's a guy from Middle Tennessee. He's, he's from overseas, and he's an American citizen now. And I'm going to tell you what, that guy right there has such a disposition about him. When you talk to him, he's just inviting. He's encouraging. But that guy knows more about the Tennessee Constitution, the United States Constitution, than Barack Obama ever thought he did. Well, that wouldn't be too heavy a lift, well, but I, I, I'll take I, your I, word I, for I said, it. 
I said that he ever thought he did. Yeah, okay. But I'm but I'm telling you that Toby has such a presentation about him and he has a sweetness about him. Not that he's not not that he doesn't have conviction, but he's inviting, he's encouraging, and, and he's a joy to be around. And I'm telling you, we, we not only miss that, we miss that in our churches, we miss that in our politics. Because too often we're polarizing and, you know, we love the idea when President Trump was bashing someone because, you know, he was ready to fight. And I, you know, I love the idea of a, man, of a leader. In Amer- we're Americans. We fight. We win. But we're not talking about fighting our foreign enemy. We're talking about talking to our brothers and sisters here in America that may have different views. And whenever we alienate an individual, it's forever to win them back. You're we got to make sure whenever you're playing football, you can't score a touchdown on every play, even though we may like to. But we have to be willing to make sure that we control the ball. If we're always playing catch up, we're losing. We've got to be running the ball and continue to move the ball down the field. Even if, if every four downs, we need to be picking up a first down. And if we're constantly third and 12, we're going back. We need to be three and two. Well, as I get older and the clock on my game starts to run down, one thing that I can promise you, and I'm an old football guy from West Tennessee, when the clock runs out, the score is what it is. You don't get any do-overs in that game. And that's correct. But at the same time, we can't just compromise for the sake of getting along. Uh, We can't just be watered down and say, well, you know what, we'll do better next time. Well, there may not be a next time. We have to be willing to stand for what's right. There's an element of decorum that we're missing, but at the same time, we're not just missing decorum, we're missing conviction. We've given conviction over as if a person stands for something, that means they have no decorum. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've, we've got we've talked about everything. We're going to be psychiatrists before long here, Richard. <laughs> well, Rusty, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on. We look forward possibly later in the session to regrouping and coming back through this folks that have given us an opportunity to put them before our membership. So I want to tell you how much we appreciate it and how much we thank you for taking your time to let the the TFA member and anybody else that's listening to us know where you stand. It is to our advantage to let these folks know what different representatives are actually thinking. Sometimes folks from over in Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee have never heard of you and have never had an opportunity to talk to you. So what we're doing with this series of interviews is giving our membership an opportunity to actually reach in and see what the various representatives are about. And I want to thank you for taking your time for us tonight. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for the opportunity. And thank you for what you've always done. You and I have been friends for, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I guess, for a long time. I don't I don't remember when you and I didn't know each other. So here I am 40 years old now. So, uh, But I remember uh, you, you've always stuck with the stuff and you've always had your passion. You've never been one to lay down and, and get run over. And I could always appreciate that. You know what? They didn't like George Patton too much whenever he was right. Whenever he, his attitude from time to time. Maybe, Richard, you're kind of like that. They may not like everything you have to say, but you believe it and you go forward. So I appreciate you for that, my friend. Well, they'll always know where I stand, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it, Rusty. Thanks.